Very truly, I tell you, all of you now, that the grace and peace of God our Father and His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, are yours today. They are yours this very day, not because you have chosen such a way, though we may be tempted to believe that, but they are yours because you have a shepherd. And not only that, you have a good shepherd who has laid down his life for you, his sheep. And on account of that, you are forgiven your sins. And I'm also here to tell you that this good shepherd, this Jesus Christ, did not stay on the cross. Though he gave his life up for you, he did not stay dead, but he was raised from the dead. And now you who have been baptized into the death of this good shepherd, you too will be raised from the dead to new life in eternity. Therefore, as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you need not fear any evil or death itself. For the good shepherd is not only with you, but he will raise you to new life as well. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you know his voice, and this is his promise for you. Amen. Well, after three weeks of our Gospels recounting Easter Sunday, which has been a great pleasure, we've made it now beyond this. You may think we have graduated, but we just moved back in time into the Gospels to before Jesus went to the cross, for we never actually get beyond Jesus. And this is a good thing, since he is with us today and to the end of the age. But today we hear this beautiful reading from John 10, where Jesus is preaching about who he is. And the reading is actually a follow-up to the gospel story that we heard about a month and a half ago in March. You maybe remember when Jesus spat on the ground and made mud and then put the mud on the blind man's eyes, and the blind man's sight was restored. Well, the Pharisees in that story tried to shut the blind man down, and then Jesus for not following the Sabbath law properly. Jesus' response to that now is what we hear this morning, what we hear in John 10. He says, Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And so right away we can hear Jesus is making a distinction between shepherds and thieves and bandits. And when our ears are tuned to the law alone, which they often are, we believe this must be a challenge for us not to climb over the gate, but not to climb over the fence, but to go through the gate. Uh, not to be a thief or a bandit, but to be a shepherd. But this is not exactly what Jesus is is trying to get at. Um, he is actually telling us who he is. He goes on, he says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. This is a beautiful teaching and it is helpful for us the shepherd, that is Jesus, knows the sheep, that is you. Jesus knows you by name, which means he knows who you are. It means he knows all of your sins. This might actually make us a little nervous and make us want to jump over the fence, but this is finally good news for you. It means you have a shepherd who will lead you to green pastures and still waters who comes to you by the grace of Christ, not by your deserving them, but by his grace he comes to you. Now the Pharisees had only the requirements of the law to use to try to motivate their hearers 
to good works or righteousness, which is why they were so upset when Jesus healed this blind man on the Sabbath. But the Pharisees did not have the whole story. They did not have the gospel. And so Christ must come in and give this as the good shepherd. In this way, the Pharisees were thieves and bandits trying to get into the sheepfold by some way other than the gate, some way other than the forgiveness of Christ. But it would not work. For the fence of the law is prickly and sticky. Val mentioned that often the fence was uh, a bunch of stones or when uh, I can recall my uh, summer in Kenya and uh, all throughout the countryside there were fences made of acacia tree branches and acacia trees have long thorns and they would pile these up in circles to protect the animals through the night. The law and its fences sticky and prickly, impossible to get through cleanly, but now Jesus calls you and indeed brings you through the gate of the forgiveness of his sins. This is what it means for Jesus to be the shepherd. It's a beautiful teaching, but John tells us, and this is kind of a strange note to hear in the gospel, that Jesus here had no idea what he was talking about. We get this beautiful teaching, and they did not get it. So he had to keep on going and try something else. They were stuck in the law alone, I suspect, in their own search for identity and righteousness outside of Jesus, and I suspect you get stuck in the very same places as well. So Jesus gets more direct. He says, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. And there you have it. Jesus is your gate. He'll say later in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Here he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be, will be saved. And then we'll come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the way to life. He is the only way, he says. And while there is a siren song in our life, in our world of methods and philosophies and other belief systems to accomplish a beautiful life, there are many ways that you may be told to do this. They all end up robbing you and taking your life. This is what Jesus is telling us. But Jesus now has come to give life abundantly. And since you are his sheep, this is not your own choosing. But now you have a good shepherd who has chosen you. Now you may wonder, or if you don't wonder, I may wonder where the pastor sits in this equation. For pastors are often also equated to shepherds of the flock. But here I must tell you and be reminded myself that there is only one shepherd and that is Jesus. Now, I heard yesterday that pastors are maybe more like sheepdogs <laughs> who, who may sit and stay on command. Maybe they won't like dogs, but they must follow the shepherd and be led by him. Our family, uh, a couple of years ago, right during COVID, did what many families did. We got a dog, uh, and not just any dog, but a doodle. Uh, now, doodles are loved by some and not by others, I happen to think they're quite nice. Ours, uh, her name is Harley, is an Aussie doodle, which means she's part poodle and part Australian shepherd. So she's part sheepdog. And this means at least part of her really likes to herd things. And when she was a puppy, especially, we'd go out into the backyard with the kids 
and Harley, and she would try to herd the kids this way or that way. They did not like it at all, uh, but this is what she wanted to do. Sometimes as a puppy, she would use her mouth to try to herd, not in any mean way, but we had to train her out of this. Uh, she also liked, uh, she also would be a thief sometimes. Uh, she would take the kids' winter hat or gloves right off of their hands and then run around the yard like she'd gotten the most important thing in the world waiting for us to try to get this from her. Uh, so sheepdogs aren't always the most trustworthy if they're not well trained anyway. Sometimes she'd even jump over the fence rather than use the gate. So I'm hearing Jesus' words here when I think of Harley, our uh, Aussie doodle. Now, good sheepdogs, well-trained, are actually amazingly helpful in caring for the sheep. They point to the gate. Good pastors, I hope, are like this too, uh, bringing the voice of the shepherd. But they are not the shepherd. So I'm pleased to tell you now that you have a perfect shepherd in Jesus Christ. And the psalmist tells us, when you have a good shepherd, you want for nothing. Now, I know that can be a hard promise to trust some days. For we have lots of wants, don't we? Lots of desires. But you have a shepherd now who gives to you what you need. He leads you not only to green pastures and still waters, but also through the valley of the shadow of death. Which means that the life of the sheep is not in the sheepfold all day long but out in the world, which is full of sin, death, and the temptations of the devil to find your own way to peace. And it is just like sheep to want to follow our noses this way or that way if we don't hear the voice of our shepherd to go over there where the grass looks a little greener and then a little farther yet where it looks like there's some water to drink and then before you know it, you're lost. This is the life of a sheep without a shepherd. But you have a shepherd. And you have a shepherd who does not wait for you to decide to turn around, but goes out to find you and turns you around. And then once you've been found, this shepherd, this Jesus Christ, sets a table for you, even before the presence of your enemies, and fills this table overflowing with food and drink. This is now what it means for you to have a good shepherd, to have Christ as your gate. It means your table is set. For the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and that is you, his body and blood, given for the forgiveness of your sins. You are found now by this shepherd. As Peter preaches, for you were going astray like sheep, but now you have been returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. This is the promise of Christ for you. And he knows you by name. And he restores your soul. And so you are his. Amen.